This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Does your American pie recipe include the new Cosmic Crisp apple? Americans like to claim the apple is somewhat the official fruit of the United States. But do they know an apple renaissance is underway as many growers are developing new flavors and colors found in supermarkets and farmers markets. Orchard owners are discovering new ways of creating fruit sustainability. Less popular are the apples of our youth, including the Golden Delicious and the Granny Smith. The Cosmic Crisp, which is a hybrid of the Enterprise and the Honeycrisp apples, promises to maintain its texture and flavor in storage for at least a year. We'll hear about the long story of the Apple's development, which started back in 1997. We meet Kate Evans, who is one of the lead scientists on the development of the Cosmic Crisp. Uh, She is a professor at Washington State University and also involved with the uh, Tree Fruit Research and Extension Center at the university. And also joining us here in studio, Kate Lamberton, who's a distinguished professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. Kate Evans, great to have you with us today. Hey, thank you for the invitation. Thank, thank you. you. Kate, Kate Lamberton, nice to meet you. Thanks for, to be here. for joining us. So, Kate Evans, give us the backstory on, on the Cosmic Crisp for those who are hearing about this for the first time. Yeah, great. So this is an apple that is a result of Washington State University's apple breeding program that was started, the program was started back in 1994 with an aim to produce new, improved varieties for consumers Um, that are well adapted to Washington growing conditions and also, really important, that are available to Washington growers. Um, And so it's it's taken, as you said, it's taken since 1997 to select this apple from the initial cross of Enterprise and Honeycrisp. Um, We've done a lot of evaluation and we're really excited uh, to get it out there for consumers this year. So give us the backstory on the length of development here because... As we said, 1997, so we're looking at about 22 years or so. What is the process of development during that time? Hey, so it's a long story, and I'll try and be short. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But um, when we make a cross between two varieties, which is how you produce a hybrid, I should just say all apples are hybrids, um, as are we, of course, Um, we then produce a lot of seeds. We have to grow out those seeds to produce fruit, And in order to get fruit, obviously, we need a tree, and a tree doesn't happen overnight. That takes time. This is one of the the issues, I guess, with breeding a a tree fruit crop. Um, We then have to get enough fruit to evaluate through uh, tasting, through instrumental evaluation, through storage. We then make some selections, propagate up more trees of the ones that we've selected and do a a further, in fact, we do two further rounds of evaluation where we we kind of reduce the numbers of different uh, varieties or selections, potential varieties, I should say, in Mm -hmm. each of those stages. But we increase the number of trees so that we get more fruit and we can do more testing because really for us and the industry out here in Washington, we want to be able to do a lot of storage tests because we want to be able to produce fruit that will last for months because, you know, our industry is producing this huge volume of of crop and we want to be able to sell it year round. 
So in order to do that kind of testing, you need, you don't just need a box of apples, you know, you need <laughs> bins worth of fruit. And in order to get bins worth of fruit, obviously, you need quite a few trees. So, so really, that's why it takes such a long time is, you know, first of all, we're dealing with a tree crop, and it's got to produce this woody structure every time in order yeah. to get quite a few apples on a tree. But then also we, we do three different rounds of selection where we're kind of really honing in to identify the best. The name Cosmic Crisp comes from where? Huh. Good question. <laughs> you can imagine naming an apple is not an easy thing to do. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I think it, actually it's worse than naming your children because people, people are a lot more vocal when they don't like it. Um, we did, with this particular apple, I worked with a colleague of mine, Dr. Carolyn Ross, from the School of Food Science at WSU, and she ran some consumer focus groups to get uh, really good ideas mm. about what, you know, looking at this apple, tasting this apple, what springs to mind in terms of words. Uh, and the, the term cosmic came from, I think it was the very first session where somebody said, hey, you know, the, the little white lenticels or the little white spots that you see on the outside of the apple, they're, they're in fact just pores in the skin of the apple. Um, they, they're white on, on Cosmic Crisp and often on the, on the darker uh, red background, they, they reminded this person of the cosmos, okay, stars in the cosmos and sure. so hence Cosmic and Crisp, when you taste the apple, Crisp's a, a very obvious word to go in its name. I find this amazing, uh, Kate Lamberton, that when you're thinking about this type of fruit, as Kate Seaman just mentioned, that the naming obviously will play into the potential marketing of this. And then you throw in the factor that that is being promoted as a piece of fruit that, that can maintain its taste for a year. That's great. I mean, I think you guys did a great job, Kate, at uh, coming up with a name that makes a lot of sense. So um, in a in a category like produce where we all have kind of our familiar favorites and we we know what we expect to see and it's hard to jump out, um, you have two different conflicting forces to deal with in marketing. You have uh, the familiarity effect where people are drawn to what's familiar just because it's easy to process. So the red delicious may still look like the prototypical apple. Um, but then you also have this novelty that you want people to accept. Yeah. And the great thing about this name is that it does connect to an existing name to which many people are very devoted, the Honeycrisp. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who will eat nothing but Honeycrisps. He doesn't think any other apples actually should be called <laughs> apples. <laughs> um, and, then, uh, and, and then you have this cosmic thing, which um, both refers, gives this nice metaphorical connection to the appearance of the fruit. But I also thought it might have connected to the other uh, branch, the enterprise branch that was brought together with the uh, with the Honeycrisp. And so what they've done there is make a really nice metaphorical jump for people. They, they made a connection between things that allows people to accept novelty yeah. in in a place where they expect familiarity. So I think it was a brilliant name. Is, um, is there something, though, I mean, when you think about all the different fruits yeah. that are out there, is there something about the apple that has kind of drawn us naturally to, to kind of look to have this type of branding and marketing. Oh, I think so. I mean, I actually just checked before I came, and um, I was curious about how people talk about Apple. And the first thing that you find is, that, of course, a lot of it has to do with Apple computers, right. et cetera. Yeah. Yes. Um, but interestingly, the use of the, of the term apple pie has gone way up in literature in the last few years. Huh. Um, the apple is 
and you know it's it's use in other sort of rituals and events and experiences is part of our identity yeah uh, so the apple that you choose does in some sense say something about you kate evans how important was that component in in terms of as you develop this this apple coming out the thought process about the naming of it especially when as they said you have a variety of other apples that that have a name of some kind attached to it thinking granny smith oh it's hugely important i mean you know we we are we recognize as consumers we we recognize our our apple varieties if mm-hmm. if you if you compare Apple to pretty much any other produce, mm-hmm. y- as a consumer, you would be able to list far more Apple variety names than, hey, how many strawberry varieties can you name? Yeah. Um, you know, how many, how many grape varieties? Grapes just tweaking out there a little now, but um, in terms of getting some, some variety recognition. But, you know, we as consumers, we recognize our Apple names. Um, partly that's because... When you look at the apples that are out in the store, they they are visually very different. They taste very different. For example, uh, yeah, we've talked about Honeycrisp. Well, you compare Honeycrisp to Pink Lady as an apple. Very, very different appearances. Very, very different eating qualities. But there are consumers that love, mm-hmm. you know, each one of those. They're they're hugely drawn to to one particular type. And so I think. We can sort of we can build on that, um, and it enables us to put new varieties out there that are different. That we can again use the name to help build that that sort of consumer recognition and 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 keep that return purchase. Hopefully, I think that's those are, that's so true. Um, apples because they look different, they allow us to differentiate ourselves, and people can actually find the one that they prefer. And the other thing that I mean, I'm not an expert baker or anything like this, but I know <laughs> that they also have different purposes. So sure, what's yeah. nice about apples is they play a different role in your life in different cases. One is the lunchbox apple, you know. One is the fruit and cheese apple. One is the the pie apple. Uh, so there's room for all this variety, and there's a reason for it. It's not a meaningless proliferation of variety as we sometimes see in some categories. Part of this also has played out with the fact that it feels like, and maybe it's just me having kids now, is that I usually take my kids in the fall to go apple picking. And and as you go out to the farm, you obviously are going to different sections of the farm because you have the different trees and, right. and, and of the ones that you like again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that for a lot of us, to, the other great thing about this, it's, it's really interesting to read the story of it because it seems like it was a consumer-centric process in a lot of ways. Um, and, and the storage issue that I know is important to the growers is also phenomenally important to the consumer because right. we throw out like over a million apples a year. Yeah, right? And it, so the idea that we might not throw these out is, is kind of heartening. Well, I guess, Kate Evans, how important is that component moving forward if you have an apple that can hold its taste for for a year? Oh, it's huge. I mean, on on every aspect, obviously, from an industry perspective, it's really helpful for our our warehouses to be able to to store fruit and to to be able to um, more easily work out when they're going to sell a piece of, of, of produce rather than thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, this apple doesn't keep longer than five months. So I've got to sell it all before a certain date. From, but from a consumer perspective, 
How nice is it to be able to have some confidence that the piece of fruit that you go and purchase in May yep. is, is equally edible as the piece of fruit that you purchased in November? Mm-hmm. Kate, how, how important is, and, and I guess how important part of the industry as a whole is the development process of all these different brands? Oh, it's, it's very, very important. I mean, with any industry, you know, new products really are the lifeblood. They keep things moving on. Uh, they give growers opportunities to to change out and to uh, try perhaps uh, new orchard systems, new management systems, because you you know an orchard once you've planted an orchard it's it's there right you know and and yeah. you, it's making you, hopefully it's making you money it's producing fruit. Uh, there are obviously as with any kind of uh, technology there are things are changing in terms of guidelines for growers, um, recommendations about new practices they could use in the orchard. But how can you then, you, you can't often retrospectively adapt what you, what you have as a, as a current orchard into using some of these new practices. So having an opportunity to, to plant new with a new variety gives growers yeah. not only the opportunity to, to have the new variety, but to to try and experiment with some of these other newer modern production uh, systems that are coming out. So it, it sort of enables, if you like, but also one would hope putting a new variety out, it, it enables the grower to, to, to get some more income. You know, we, we want growers to be sustainable and, and in order for them to be sustainable, they've got to make money. So a new variety, some new interest, uh, hopefully getting more consumers to eat the apple, we want to just boost returns back to growers. How do you think the development of this particular brand then may impact the growth of other types of apples moving forward? If you can, can you take elements of the sustainability that you're finding uh, here in the Cosmic Crisp and hopefully move them to other apples moving forward? Well, I think that as 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 growers experiment with with their new plantings, then yeah, maybe it will. It, it will generate enough income for them to be able to put in other new plantings, maybe other varieties, um, maybe some of the some of the varieties that are out there already. I mean, we, it doesn't doesn't all have to be new varieties. There's certainly room in the marketplace for for others. Um, but but I think that being able to 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 keep growers in business is is hugely important. Kate Lamberton, this 20-year window that that Kate Evans has talked about with uh, the development of, of the actual breed, how does that play into the development of the marketing behind the apples? Well, I mean, you have a 20-year potential window to be able to start to promote a, a product that will be on the on the market at some point. Yeah, you have to be careful, right? You don't want to peak too soon. Right, <laughs> right? exactly, yeah. And especially before you have the product developed. What I'm hearing that I love is that this is this is not Silicon Valley move fast break things, right? This is a very deliberate, careful, consumer-centered development process where they, a lot of different variants had to be considered. A lot of really good thinking had to go into the development of something before it got to the shelf. So what's lovely is that because of that process, in a lot of ways, this product is fully justified. It has a reason to exist. Uh, it has a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's been a lot of buzz about it, uh, particularly when you think about, you know, people think about switching their apple. And it's kind of, you know, 
exciting slash horrifying. Um, but uh, but I think that what they have is a great story, and consumers like stories. So as as long as that story can be told and people say, oh, they've been developing this for 20 years, yeah. that seems authentic. It seems grounded. Uh, it seems credible, trustworthy. It's not something a new Apple they just whipped up in a test tube somewhere. Right. <laughs> Which, but, when it comes to food, it's not a good thing. But it, right? it probably then opens the door for the consumer to at least test it once. Absolutely. And yep. then if they like it, then they, then they stay with it. And then they have a story to tell somebody else. Hey, I just tried this Apple. It took them 20 years to make this thing. Right. Yeah. And that's going to help help the innovation diffuse. Kate Evans, is it that is, as Kate Lamberton mentioned, kind of that slow development process? Is, th- is that a, a conscious thought within the industry? Um, I think they, th- there's, a, there's a certain um, understanding, clearly, that it takes that amount of time to, to properly evaluate a new variety before we can be confident to release it. And so we try very much within the breeding program to incorporate and, and get industry advice at many different stages of the program. So, you know, I have growers who are out there looking at my um, my new trees that are in each of these phases. Certainly, in the in the third phase, that the phase that where they're we call them kind of elite selections prior to release. I mean, that we were out there this week. I had growers out there looking at these trees, you know, well, what do you think? How could you, could you work with this? Um, you know, so, so we're getting a lot, of, a lot of industry input. We try and, um, and I guess, get, get, uh, promote out to the industry what it is that we're doing. We enable tasting for the industry at different stages. So I, I think there is some very good awareness of, of the of the time frame are, are these are, are these apples primarily in Washington state right now yes so the the Washington it, for, for the release of cosmic crisp apple it was decided that we would do Washington state only in the US for 10 years and the hmm. reason behind that is that we've we've had funding from the Washington apple growers through the Washington Tree Fruit Research Commission for the breeding program for the last 20 years. So it's, it's only a sort of a fair return that we should be enabling the Washington growers to have early access to, to the variety. Where, where else would this be grown then, outside the U.S., if there yes. are other options? Yes. So we have to, it's like any intellectual property, you, you have to, you've got to protect it. I mean, it, it seems a bit bizarre, perhaps, to think of an apple as a, as a piece of intellectual property, but, but it is. It has a patent. Um, and in order to, to protect the intellectual property, which means then have some say in the future of what happens to that apple around the world, yeah. we, we've had to license it into different uh, international territories but we can do that in a very controlled way, uh, and we've been working with our, our partner, uh, PVM, Proprietary Variety Management, to do that. So working out who's interested um, in, in different countries, um, limiting the amount of production that they, they will be able to produce, but, but making it interesting enough for them to want to participate, obviously. Um, but, uh, and, and also we can... Um, within the license, we can restrict where the, those particular territories will be able to market their fruit. So, mm-hmm. so therefore, reduce the amount of competition 
to our Washington producers. When you're talking about uh, growing apples in, in general, and in, and I'll have you compare this to the to the cosmic crisp, crisp Kate, Kate Evans. Um, how much do you have the consumer involved in the process of tasting the apple and, and seeing the apple as the development, as the breeding is going on? Yeah, good question. So with with Cosmic Crisp and, in fact, with um, one or two other selections that we've had through the breeding program, we've got consumers involved, um, oh, gosh, probably early, early, early second no, late second phase, early third phase, really at a point where we've got enough fruit to get consumers to taste. I mean, okay. obviously, it gets back to this whole volume deal again. You know, a box of apples doesn't go very far. Right. Uh, we've, we've done some, some tasting. Uh, we did a, initially, we did a head-to-head of, of Cosmic Crisp with Gala. Uh, because that was our big production apple in the state at the time, and, right. and we scored very, very well with Cosmic Crisp. So then the then the answer, the question, sorry, was, well, hey, how does it compete with Honey Crisp, mm-hmm. uh, the big one? So so we did that one as well with a, a series of three different tastings at different times of the year, and and we scored very well with Honey Crisp as well. So we've we've really tried to do as much as we can with what really is is a relatively limited volume of fruit in those early stages which uh, Kate Lemerton that that's going back to really the old traditions of marketing yep. it is the hand to hand touch with yep. the consumer instead of a, a lot of the big data that we see in so many industries yeah at the end of the day that stuff still works right particularly for a traditional retail product. And great thing about apples is that if you think about it, most of us don't walk into the produce section and get two of one kind, two of another kind, two of a third kind. So if you get people to make the initial switch and they have a good experience, you do have a pretty good shot at loyalty. So all of the consumer testing should pay off. And I I am betting that we're going to see some in-store tests of this thing too. You know, free trial things where Saturday morning you can go and try out the new apple. Kate Evans, I'm sure that's already going on in Washington State. Well, not yet, because okay. we're waiting for this year's crop. <laughs> oh, okay. So as, as Kate Lamberton said, it, it is about not going too early with, right. with getting, you know, you've got to be able to have a product available for, for consumers to go buy once they've yeah. tasted it. And that will be this December, the, the product will be out in the store for people to purchase. So at that point, yes, there certainly will be some in-store tasting opportunities. So it'll be like a Christmas that's gift great. for everybody, right? Hey. That's perfect. <laughs> and you know, that's when people go home for Christmas, right? So now right. you've got a house full of people to feed all of a sudden, right? And, and bake and, the apple pies yes, for the Christmas dinner. You got yep. the apple pies, yep. and then January comes, and you've got all these people who just made resolutions to eat you know, fewer candy bars and more apples, yeah. right? And so when it's a new kind of apple, what you get is this nice combination between, yeah, it's healthy, so I can feel good about it, yeah. but it's also this new cool thing, so it gets to feel special. How much then when you do have the first crops coming in, Kate Evans, uh, is the hope that you'll be able to have it across the United States in all 50 states? I hope so, but hey, that's really not not my call. Um, we, yeah. we have, it, it's out there with all of our marketing desks in Washington, and they all have their own relationships with, with different, different stores, et cetera, in different states. So I would hope that it will be out there as widely as possible. I think it's going back to something you said a little bit ago, Kate Lamberton. This the story behind it 
is mm-hmm. an integral marketing mm-hmm. piece Absolutely. to this having uh, having success moving forward. Yeah, and I I really think that the other piece of the story that's going to be great is this durability that it it doesn't go bad. There are policy pushes and lots of small and community agencies now that are really working on this problem of food waste. And what I see happening is that we're going to end up in a place where people are looking for things that aren't going to be wasted, but that also aren't packed with chemicals. And that's a small overlap in the Venn diagram. (laughs) And so I can see see that being another angle that really takes off for this. Kate Evans, are are you getting reaction, speaking of, of the food waste side of this story, are you getting reaction from farmers from companies, you know, uh, grocery store chains about this product and what it could potentially mean in their stores moving forward? Not not yet, uh, really, in terms of, of that specific characteristic. But I suspect that's something that we will see as, as the product goes out and and the and the stores are becoming more familiar with it. Kate Evans, thanks very much. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. Kate Lamberton, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks. Kate Evans from uh, Washington State University. Kate Lamberton from here at the Wharton School. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 